And that's why I believe in you because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It's to, it sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people. Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort, which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience, and digging into any other mind-expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. Also, this Positive Head podcast is definitely a labor of love for Dalian and I, but make no mistake, it takes a lot of time, energy, and resources to produce five episodes each and every week for you, our listeners. So if you enjoy the Positive Head podcast, it would be stellar and much appreciated if you showed us your support at PositiveHead.com by picking up one of our unique Positive Head bracelets. Of course, you would most certainly be helping yourself in the process because it functions as much more than just another stylish accessory. And if you haven't ever seen one, they're really cool, simple little bracelets with our Flower of Life Sacred Geometry inspired logo. They're actually made out of recycled tires and metal, so our intention is, of course, to do something positive by giving new life to previously discarded goods. And as far as their functionality goes, they act as a daily reminder to help you focus on the positive aspects of your daily life. The concept was actually inspired by studies that you can read about on our our website. But besides that, many people believe just wearing something with sacred geometry is empowering in and of itself, uh, which you can also read about on our site. And of course, as the Buddha once famously said, what you think you become. So we believe having something on your wrist that reminds you to keep a positive head the same way a Fitbit reminds you to keep active makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, we charge way less than Fitbit for helping you to manage your mental health because we let you name your price for your positive head bracelet. The reason we do that is because our heartfelt intention is to spread the positivity at all costs, first and foremost. That is our primary aim. And we don't ever want money to stand in the way of somebody wearing one. So if money is super tight and you want to pay as low as our cost to get one, no problem. On the flip side, if you love our podcast and just hit the lotto and want to show us your support by paying a million dollars for one, well, that won't hurt our feelings much either, I assure you. Uh, lastly, we also recently added a unique new line of t-shirts that have what we call chemistry quotes written out on them that help to spread the positivity as well. So head over to PositiveHead.com, check out all our wares, pick something up to show us your support if you feel inclined to do so. All right, all you positive heads, welcome back to another episode of the Positive Head Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Beecham. I've got Dalian the Alien here with me. What's up, Dalian? 
What's up, sweet dog? Thanks for uh, welcoming <laughs> oh, us all back. Sweet the... dog. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah, I like that. I, feel... I like that because it's, yeah, it kind of gives you street cred, <laughs> yeah, the dog part, and then the sweet right, is, right, right. you know, like a very uh, sweet yeah. compliment to your, you know. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. A lot of street cred with sweet dog. You feel free oh, yeah. to use it anyone who's yeah, well, listening. O- only in certain streets, of course, of certain more hippie-ish communities. You, a tight dog gives you a little bit more, you know, hardcore street cred. Yeah, a tight you, dog sounds mm-hmm. like something that gives you street cred with preteens <laughs> for, for some reason. I don't know if that's just me, but... Yeah. Oh, man, we're... We're ridiculous. Um, <laughs> we are. Let's see what's going. What's going on today, uh, Daily? And what do you got? Um, let's just jump right in. You got a story that's yes, mysterious, magical. I do I have inspiring, a, intriguing? What you got? Yes, all of the above. Okay. All of the above. All right. It's going to be quite a mind bender. But you know what? I thought I wouldn't. You know, quickly veer off into another direction. Actually, Brandon, I saw. A thing, and I forget how I found it. It might have been through the Dig uh, website, but um, it's a New York Magazine article mm-hmm. on their website, and uh, which you can find at nymag.com. But it's, uh, I thought it was really cool, Brandon, because it's uh, basically they were like, oh, you know, this is really like the sweetest place. The last pure place online is what the headline was. Mm-hmm. And it's the site for an old dog sanctuary in Mount Juliet near Nashville. Um that's uh, got a Facebook page. And this Facebook page has got, I think, a million and a half likes already wow. or something like this. But um, they refer, refer to it as the last pure place online because it's, as the article says, the, the last page free of invective and vitriol, meaning that people do nothing but share pictures of dogs and like praise them and talk about how cute they are. And, uh-huh. you know, there's no, you know, no kind of nastiness at all. So I was like, oh, you know, that actually sounds like a really sweet thing. And if you check it out, it's actually pretty funny because they've got like these, it's a sanctuary for all dogs, right? So they'll mm-hmm. have like, they groom them, of course, and take pictures of them with put creative captions. And then the people like just love them and gush all over them and stuff. And there'll be some favorites like Benny, like this really hairy dog, you know, anyway. So I thought that was really kind of cool and sweet, right? So that a, is a contra- the sweet dog that, that, that you're referring to. <laughs> well, there you go. See, <laughs> you made a connection that I didn't quite make. That is the sweet dog. Uh, <laughs> At first, I thought that's why you're bringing this up. I- no, no. But, um, <laughs> well, it turns out that that might have been the reason, right? So, yeah, that is the sweet dog. Uh, no, the story that I brought is one, actually, that's been making the rounds through uh, major news outlets lately as well. And it's uh, pretty pretty much any time this guy, Elon Musk, comes forth and discusses some sort of, you know, fascinating subject gives us take on he's sort on of like, like the this. new steve jobs oh yeah seems. for sure absolutely I, I think of him as like a nikola tesla for our century or our you know times right oh that's quite the label to put on him yeah no i would say i mean you know beyond the whole you i don't know, know tesla if he's quite that thing, mad scientist but he's uh yeah i he's, think he yeah he he's might prove awesome. to be yeah, yeah. so anyway th- what this is is something that a few of you might have seen already it's uh, his discussion of uh, simulated reality and the way he frames it is he says there's a very small chance that we're not in a simulated reality oh, yeah, right yeah. now. So it's like, wow. I saw this are, the other day, and coming? I think I referenced it maybe on a show. Yes, you uh, might have referenced just not it. Just in great detail. Mm-hmm, exactly. So what this is, is I watched a video, a part of the video where he discusses this. And essentially, it's someone where he's like giving a talk and someone in the audience asks him this question, right? Or puts it forth in like that general sense, like what is the chances that we're living in a simulation? This is right? a simulated reality, right? Yeah, and, and his answer is hilarious because he... 
the first thing he says is like, oh yeah, I've talked about it so many, t- so many times. Yeah. He's like, he makes a joke like how that, that discussion in particular is banned from hot tubs forever in mm-hmm. his life. Cause I guess it's just right, like, right. you know, it's the just, hot tub conversation. yeah, it's just something he's engaged in way, way, way too many times. But, uh, yeah, I guess through a lot of, you know, pondering of, of these sort of heady subjects, he's come to the realization that there's a small likelihood that we're not. And, and actually the way he frames that, Brandon, is really fascinating because he talks about how um, he, the, once again, like the, the way he says this makes you think, oh, where is he coming at this from? But he says, if there's, um, if, if this is not the case and we're in fact not within some sort of simulation right now, then that could be a, a dire thing because it could mean that civilization is about to end. Right, right. And the way that so he what he's saying that, is, it's yeah. very unlikely. He, I saw this too. So it's very unlikely that this is a base reality, as he called it. This is probably a spinoff simulation of whatever base reality. And thank goodness for that, because um, you know, if we destroy it, then it's at least only a simulation and not the base reality, which is a really interesting way to kind of uh, ponder it i haven't really ever thought of that yeah and the thing that to me uh is uh sort of the catalyst for everything that's being set there is that i don't know you know specifically the details of how he's arrived at that sort of conclusion right i mean his he's got his own thought process as to why he thinks this he is, actually this is goes true. into it in the story right saying when you look at how you know, you look back 40 years ago and what was our games that we were playing? Pong, yeah, he's talking about, right? exactly. And then now you look at now these ultra real, we're on the verge of, you know, of course, virtual reality where we're starting to step into these ultra real high def games. It's like, okay, so that's in 40 years. What would it be like 100 years from now or a thousand or a million? So it's just seeing how quickly we've progressed. That implies that, you know, this is, uh, you know, something that would be rampant in civilizations. And therefore he kind of draws a conclusion. If we came as far as we have and as short a distance as possible, then the chances are that, you know, this, since there's also so many trademarks of a simulation in our reality, I've even heard the, uh, you know, the guy who made Sims talk about this topic and how, you know, made all the comparisons, how, you know, when you zoom in, everything pixelates, everything's made of light. There's laws that have set up the laws of physics are like programmed it's all the same characteristics that you would expect to find in a game in our Mm -hmm. reality Uh uh-huh yeah i I guess the thing that's fascinating to me is that like i understand it from a slightly different point of view i suppose but perhaps he's thinking of purely a purely sort of materialistic point of or materialistic scientific point of view where everything's sort of achieved through technology and to me this is sort of the case but through an extension of both technology and biology, because you could look at how, I mean, you know, they're always saying how our bodies are machine-like and how all of nature is essentially like machines at every level, biological machines and so forth. I'm not sure that that's necessarily so so much the case, but I think what is true is that you could really consider this reality a sort of simulation ultimately still. And I think that biology is really sort of the vehicle for consciousness to, um, you know, project these simulations that are Ultimately, not necessarily any more real than a dream. I mean, you know, there's that's been argued so many times as well, too. But I think that there's really something to be said for the fact that um, this, however real it may appear, if you, you know, of course, look at it from the other angle of like, well, a dream can appear very real. It's like because, yeah, they're both projections of consciousness. Right. And, And, you know, one is, you know, way more consistent than another. But that doesn't necessarily make it more real. Right. Right. It's just got certain traits. Right. That's the only difference. 
Yeah, absolutely fascinating story. Um, You know, essentially hearing this person who's such an icon at this point saying, yeah, uh, one in a billion chance, it's not a simulation. So when you start talking about all this sort of spiritual uh, perspective that we're constantly uh, talking about here on the show. And it's like, look, this is a dream that source once had, and you can, you are the creator and created rolled into one. And you can actually take control and start controlling and manifesting what it is you want to see in your sort of personal video game. And it's uh, very interesting when the brightest minds on the planet are saying, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much, you know, it looks like it's a game. <laughs> it's uh, it's really fascinating to see how more and more the consensus is shifting to this thing that maybe even 10 years ago, 20 years ago would have been, you'd been laughed out of like, you know, laughed out of anywhere talking about this sort of stuff. Now you got the brightest mind, you know, one of the brightest minds on the planet, you know, putting it out there very casually like this. It's definitely uh, changing times we live in, you know? Yeah. The th- one thing that's awesome is that I would imagine a lot of people would want to be empowered. So they will want to go ahead and sort of buy into the, the fact that this could be a video game like reality or one where we have control, right? Where we are the one who controls the avatar yeah. and the one who decides how the game unfolds. If more and more people want to be empowered and they're willing to accept things like, oh, okay, well, meditation is going to help me become conscious. You know, being aware yeah. of my thoughts and feelings is what's going to allow me to resonate with what I want and not create conflict, you know, and for all of us to sort of live in harmony, et cetera, et cetera. I think that, yeah, we can see something really awesome come out of that. Absolutely. All right, then moving right along, I would like to move right into the positive pondering breakdown of the day. And the quote uh, that I have to ponder upon uh, this day is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And the quote is, the love that you withhold is the pain that you carry. This quote hit me very impactfully. It's such a powerful truth i believe the love that you withhold is you know equivalent to the pain that you carry we're all holding back i can think of myself and it's something that i've experienced in my own life and relationships and particularly with people really close to me romantic relationships relationships with my mother relationships with people that i care so deeply for but then i find myself holding back uh, withholding and uh, you know how often I've had with a lover or past partner where after they're gone then I really appreciate them you know there's a pop song that I've heard you know multiple times because it comes on anytime you're in public <laughs> and it's uh let her go and I forget who the artist is but this is exactly what the lyrics are all about you don't appreciate you know any you know the whole premise of the song you appreciate the sun when it starts to snow you appreciate home when you're on the road you appreciate what you have when you don't have it and i we find ourselves uh withholding love from people when we you know nothing is guaranteed in this life you don't know how long you have with your mother your child your friend your lover it it changes think back look back how in a blink of an eye things can change we've all had some sort of an experience And I would challenge everyone listening to this to find that love within themselves that they're withholding. You know, uh, Rumi said it so eloquently as well. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. And we have these barriers. We have these uh, these sort of obstacles. We we find ourselves feeling cut off from the ones that we love and, and sort of numbing ourselves and 
oftentimes I believe it's because we're scared. We're scared to love fully. We're scared to open up fully. We've been hurt. We don't want to get hurt again. How do I guard myself? How do I put a cage around my heart? How do I protect against, uh, you know, being harmed, being hurt? And what I found is the only thing to do is to rip open that cage, rip open your heart, allow it to be stomped a million times if that's what it takes to get to that million and one time when it actually, um, you know, delivers everything that you wanted it to deliver. The the pain is even uh, part of the love and, and it, it's sort of like a yin and yang, you know, sort of relationship. So just understanding that releasing whatever's holding you back is the key to fully having the experience on the level that you wish to experience. We all want the deepest, most profound love possible. Well, the way to start doing that is with stop withholding any love that you have in yourself. What you're going to receive is what you're going to give. So you want more love, give more love away. Stop withholding love, especially to those that mean so much to you because you're never guaranteed the opportunity, at least in this life, uh, the next moment. So stop withholding the love, you know, and realize that it's, it's, Fear in yourself oftentimes is the reason that you're withholding it and confront this problem and don't bury it deep down. It's something that I've done before is just sort of like, um, you know, on one hand, this very loving person, on another hand, I can cut myself off completely to giving love to those closest to me. And I'm now so aware of that and trying to be so aware of that and to bring presence to that when I'm feeling cut off, the love stream seems to have dried up. I'm literally taking deep breaths and trying to move into that more loving state and to consciously drum up the the love vibration that I have uh, sort of uh, cut myself off on from and it's uh it's definitely making a difference in my world and and not needing to be right if there's an argument and as much as feeling uh open and loving to the person and and these are all steps on the path to becoming the next greatest and greatest version of ourselves um, what I'd like to do now is bring in uh, one of my favorite teachers who we feature from time to time, Wayne Dyer. And this is a composite video uh, that was made. Um, this I found on a YouTube page uh, by a guy named Joseph Shield, and it's called Wayne Dyer's Lessons in Love. And what he did is he sort of um, edited together multiple talks. So you'll hear variation uh, at times, but it basically has um, – five different uh, lessons in love that Wayne Dyer talked about over the years. Piece together. Let's take a listen. Change the thought from notice me, notice me, to what Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu calls living in obscurity, becoming more obscure. We live in a... Uh, celebrity-obsessed world, don't we? Look at me. Notice me. The Tao teaches something completely the opposite. Listen to the 66th verse of the Tao. Water, again. The sea stays low. And because the sea stays low, all of the rivers and all of the streams empty into it. Because it stays humble because it stays in that place of just allowing everything to come to you. He was trying to teach us the important lesson of uh, letting what we know is coming come to us. Funny part about approval, for those of you who really want it, and re now I'm here to tell you that I like approval. I enjoy it. 
I find it one of the most exciting things in the world. I like it when people read my books. I love it when people applaud. I like it when people uh, tell me nice things and all. I like approval. I'm the first one to admit it. What I don't do is I don't need approval. There's a big difference between wanting approval and needing approval. When you need approval, it means you become immobilized when you don't get it from making other people's opinions more important. Now, for those of you who say, yeah, but I want approval and I need it and if I don't get it and so on, then understand this. The people who get the most approval in life are the ones who care the least about it. And the ones who get the least approval are the ones who are always going after it. So if you want approval in this paradoxical way that I'm talking about it, stop needing it. Stop concerning yourself about it. Ask yourself, who gets the most approval in life? Think of the person that gets the most approval, and you'll see that that person couldn't care less what other people are thinking. They're so busy being, they don't have time to notice what their neighbors are doing. Thoreau said this, he said, if you advance confidently in the direction of your own dreams and endeavor to live the life which you have imagined, you will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. What that means is that success is not something that you can get in life. Success is an inner process. Success is something that you bring to everything you do in your life. It isn't something you get out of what you do. And when you get that, and you learn how to get the junk out, and advance confidently, doing what makes the most amount of sense to you, based on your inner signals, and the one issue of morality, which is you never interfere with anybody else's right to do the same. Each person has their own right to advance confidently in the direction of their own dreams. And when you violate that, you're violating the principle of the universe, the essence of the universe, which is cooperation and harmony. Then success will begin to chase you. And it will come into your life and arrive in your life in amounts that you never dreamt of before. That you never dreamt of. Things will start happening to you that you would never imagine before. And said that in any relationship in which two people agree on everything, one of them is unnecessary. <laughs> so, it isn't about getting somebody who's just like you. In fact, your soulmate is the person that you have a lot of difficulty with. Your soulmate's the person you can't get rid of. They just keep showing up. You, 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 you say this, they say that, and there they are, they're back again. And they never go away. They keep showing up in your life. And everybody has these people. These are our greatest teachers because anybody in your life who can push a button and send you into a frenzy is the person who's your greatest teacher. You know why? Because they teach you that you haven't mastered yourself at this moment. You do U-turns in your life. I've done U-turns in my life. And it's, again, it's, the, it's having the curiosity, it's having the willingness to, uh, to say, this isn't working for me. You know, it's like you get bit by a snake and you're bit, okay? So, but the bite doesn't kill you. You're still there, you know? The, you don't bite, die from a snake bite. You don't die from what somebody, you don't get hurt from what somebody else does to you. It's the venom that continues to pour through your system after the bite. That's what causes 
difficulties in relationships and so on. And when you recognize that, that to be angry, to be full of revenge, I mean, I could bring anybody in this crew in here and do a muscle test with them and ask them a question to hold your arm out, like to, to hold your arm out like this, and, uh, and think about somebody who's abandoned you or abused you, who did something that you didn't like, who borrowed money from you and didn't pay it back, who walked out on you, someone that you hate, and just for a moment, just for a moment, hold your arm out as tight as you, as hard as you can. I'm going to put two fingers right here and I'm going to push down and you think about getting revenge. You just think about, just for, even if you don't want to do that, just think the thought of, I'm going to get even with that bastard for what he did or what she did. I'm going to really get even with him. And you push, and that you find out that they have no strength when you think a thought of revenge. There's no strength in there. Kinesiology, a very simple test. If you don't know how to appreciate what you have and where you are in your life, you don't need anything else. Because if you do get something else, you won't know how to appreciate that either. You'll just want more. Or you'll want it to be different. Or you'll want it to be the way it used to be. Or you'll want someone else to be the way you think they should be. Successful people or no-limit people or self-actualizing people or inner-directed people, however you, whatever labels that have been put on them by great thinkers and philosophers and therapists and people uh, that have uh, looked at human beings, these kinds of people are people who always have enough. <laughs> there are some people, if you invite them over and you say, um, you know, I'd like you to... Uh, I'd like you to come over tonight, and I'd, I'd like you to stay over if you can, instead of having to drive back. And they'll say, well, I, can, you say can you stay? And I say, well, I don't know if I can stay or not. Um, well, you could sleep on the cot. Oh, no. No, I could never sleep on the cot. <laughs> I, don't, I can't sleep on cots. <laughs> uh, I got a sciatica. Don't you know that I have, a, I have back pain? And I don't, and cots, no. That's out of the question. I couldn't sleep on a cot. Uh, and what about breakfast? Well, we don't have any food, but um, we have some old grapefruit that are in the... Uh, in the uh, Refrigerator. They have a few spots on them. Oh, no, I could never eat grapefruit. <laughs> spots? No, thanks. I can't eat grapefruit spots. I just couldn't do that. You know? uh, and these are people who uh, never have enough. They are, are not able to be flexible and to change. And there are other people, if you say, would you like to sleep over? Uh, we got a place in the sewer. <laughs> hey, that'd be great. I can handle that. No problem. I slept there before. It's all right. And, all we have is grapefruit. Oh, I love grapefruit. Well, we got, we've got spots on Oh, I really like grapefruit spots. Those are terrific. I'll, I'll go for those. There are some people who can handle anything, not because their circumstances are different. You see, your circumstances have very little to do with your fulfillment in life. Very little. It's, it's how you're approaching your circumstances. It's your attitude towards your circumstances that make all the difference in the world. And taking what you are and accepting it. Yes, Brandon, I think that uh, there's almost certainly in a lot of people's lives uh, a, a major subject. And usually it really be, is, is a person or a relationship, a personal relationship, usually a very close one, right? That is both the object of our desires and our projections, you could say, our fearful perhaps projections, you know, mm -hmm. of this person going away, of this person, you know, not being with us anymore. Um, this person somehow changing for the worse or expressing the worst traits. And um, we have to uh, 
you know, really begin to assume that we are intrinsically connected to this because we're so prone to want to pro- just project blindly. And, you know, when we project, we are, are wanting to sort of disown something that right. that is really ours. So we're saying this other person is, you know, you know, faulty, doing wrong, et cetera, doing something that doesn't please me. And uh, we always have to just, I think, just start assuming that it's us, that we are connected always to this. Always looking back at self. And, yeah. you know, like I was saying earlier, I think uh, just being willing to put it on the line, like exposing your heart and allowing it to be crushed a million times if that's what it takes. Being that bold, not being, uh, not withholding, uh, because withholding does just create pain, like, uh, you know, Emerson talked about. And of course, Wayne Dyer has some wonderful lessons here. I mean, letting go of your ego, you know, Lao Tzu talked about living in obscurity and um, not needing to be seen. You know, the sea stays low so everything can can empty into it. You know, what a profound um, concept, the opposite of what our culture sort of shows us. You know, look at me, look at me and, you know, don't seek approval. And, you know, the ones who care the least are the ones who get it. Stop caring about approval from, you know, other, other places. Um, You know, if you, if you advance confidently in the direction of your own dream, uh, you will be met and when you least expect it, so to speak. And, you know, some of this goes even beyond love. I mean, of course, he talks about soulmate, which is something that we all reference a lot of times. And many people have a, expect this rosy soulmate individual or person to come into their world. And really it's like going to be someone that challenges you. Relationship is about growth. So understanding with love, it's not necessarily all about roses and happy times and holding hands, walking on the beach. It's about challenging each other to grow. And I personally believe once the growth uh, potential and opportunity has sort of run its course, a natural separation occurs with people. And it may be a lifetime worth of growth, and hence you have a lifetime relationship, but it may be six months or a year or two years or whatever it may be, five years. And then this natural separation may come about because it's time to grow in another direction. And oftentimes I, I believe we look at that as like, oh, it's a failed relationship because it didn't last forever. That's just ridiculous that's not how it works you know any relationship every relationship is successful everything is happening as it should be you may experience more pain when you try and hold on to something after the natural time has come for separation that's a lot of times what happens uh, because we get so used to that person we don't want to lose that energy right even if it is becoming uncomfortable to be around uh, yeah, and you know a couple other great things by Dyer. Of course, you, you know, uh, choose love over hate. Holding on to hate is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And appreciation, radical appreciation for what you have, is the key to getting more love and more of what you want. Where are you now? Loving that? Are you resisting that? If so, you're resisting that lover to come into your life or the more expansive states that you want to experience. If you're not, you know, grateful for what you have already manifested. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, divine dichotomies, and I think this is one of the biggest ones. It definitely has to do with this projection of desires and fears. And uh, by divine dichotomy, it's been understood to mean something that appears to be one way, but is uh, of a different nature. And it's just a lot of times an inclusive nature, because we're so used to thinking dualistically that we think in either or terms. So we think things are either good or bad, you know, black and white, etc. And uh the uh, paradoxical thing there is, of course, wanting something very much and then finding that this desire becomes resistance or becomes the thing that gets in your way. Yeah. So I think that that's the other you know, major experience that so many of us have. Of course, a lot of times that one also takes the form of a relationship with another person. 
Right. But it's this projection of our fears and desires at the same time. Whenever there is great desire, there's bound to be this uh, sort of flip side of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a thing that elicits this need for surrender. But that's the most powerful thing, because as you can see, there's already a lot of energy from your desires that are so strong. The resistance that comes up, that's sort of the flip side of that. That's always going to be there. They they say, you know, anything that you desire greatly, of course, will be there will be a great sort of sense of loss if that's, you know, gone, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So all these things appear to be contradictory, but I think that you are beginning to see how they're not. They're really just complementary. And if you can, you know, transcend them, really, you can use them. So they become parts of your experience. Understanding is the key, you know, understanding how it all really works. Well, Dalian, that gets down to it for today. We are out of imaginary time for this episode, but there's always more where that came from. In the meantime, we do have some um, very tasty music uh, queued up here. Uh, This is Ash Walker, who I've played before, and uh, I am definitely uh, digging. Uh, Really, really tasty music. Um, This particular track is called They Do Not Know Yet. Hope you enjoy it as much as I do.